The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. So today we are looking at five keys, but really you could title it in any way you want because I only had the content, I didn't have the title. And since there are five of them, I just said five keys. <laughs> you know. Um, in the month of March, we are starting a new series that we've called Choosing Your Future. And the concept is that there are doors before you in this decade of destiny, as we have called it, decade of light, that you need to choose carefully the doors you walk through. So we're going to spend a whole month talking about and teaching on and expounding on, on choosing your future. But today, I, f- I feel very strongly that God wants us to share these things that we've titled the five keys. The world that we live in is very fragile. Very fragile. Just one outbreak of some virus. Everybody's wondering what's going to happen as the end come. One crazy guy presses the nuclear button. A whole nation can be wiped off with a nuclear weapon. We live in a very fragile world. And one would think that because we live in a very fragile world, that humanity will be humble, that man will be humble. I mean, if, if you know how fragile our world is, we should be humble people. But it's as if man is getting prouder by the day. Man is getting prouder and prouder by the day. Praise the name of the Lord. Things are unstable. And the more things become unstable, the more we should depend and rely on the things that remain stable. Like some rabbi said, that the more Things change the more we must depend on the things that never change. The more things become uncertain, the more we should depend upon the one, the God that is certain. The more things become unreliable, the more we should depend on the one that is most reliable. Praise the name of the Lord. So, there are five things that we need to know this morning that will illuminate our lives, that will solidify our lives, that will make us unshakable, unmovable, that will make us rooted and planted, even as God wants us to be. And the first is this. I was listening to um, a radio show some years ago, 
of um, some, someone interviewing Miles Monroe, the late Dr. Miles, Miles Monroe, and, 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 and he was asked that, um, if I never meet you again, give me one thing that I need to know from you if I never meet you again. And, and Dr. Miles, late Dr. Miles Monroe said that that's pretty easy, that if I never meet you again, one thing you must know and I sat at the edge of my seat because I needed to hear that one thing that I must know. <laughs> he said, one thing you must know is what to do next. At every point, and I thought about that, that's, that's so true. At every point in time, even right now as you're seated here, one thing you must know when you walk out of these doors is what to do next. What to do next. So the first thing, first key is to secure, is in securing your next step. Is in securing your next step. You have to secure your next step. In Isaiah 30, verse 21, the word of God says in Isaiah 30, 21, that your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Beginning from today, in the name of Jesus, your own hair we hear. This is the way walking it. Your own ears, your own, not your mother's, not your daddy's, not your uncle's, not your spouse. Not, it didn't even say your, you will hear your pastor's ears. It said your own ears will we'll hear. You will not lack direction in the name of Jesus. Your own ears will hear. This is the way. This is the right way. This is the left way. Whatever way you need to take. So the first thing is to secure your next step. And God demands that we grow. God demands that we take our next step because you cannot grow without motion. You cannot advance without motion. You cannot. It is impossible. You can't. Everyone has a next step because growth requires movement. Growth requires movement. As a person, you have a next step. In your business, you have a next step. In your career, you have a next step. Even in church, in your spiritual life, as a member of God's favorite house in this community, you have a next step. Your next step could be to get baptized. Your next step in church could be to go through the journey. Your next step could be to, to take NCR. Your next step could be to come for counseling. You, are, you have a naughty situation that you need direction. You need to take the next step. And the more you take your next step, the more you come into your own, the more you, you, you see who you are, the more you discover that this is who I am in God. And the more you know who you are, the more you can bring yourself to the party. The more value you can add to humanity, the more value you can add to your community. But until you take the next step and grow as a person, you never really come into your own. 
At best, you want to be like someone else. You know, um, I, I was watching a video and, 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 and someone, um, in the video, the caption is, Michael Jackson is still alive. They found him. They found him in, <laughs> they found him in Mexico. <laughs> there, was, there was this guy that dresses like Michael Jackson in Mexico. He goes about doing like this, you know, doing moonwalk. And he fights people. I mean, and he's, he wears gloves, you know. We don't need another Michael Jackson. We don't. But we need you. Praise God. We need you. We see, but the, the problem is this. The problem is that if I'm always trying to be someone else, I'm bringing less of myself into the room. If I'm always trying to be, I'm not taking my own next steps. I'm not growing in my own identity. If I'm always trying to be like um, whoever, <laughs> if you're always trying to be like someone, you, you bring less and less of yourself into the room. And the less of yourself that you bring, the less value you can really bring. Praise the name of the Lord. So the, the first is this. You need to secure your next steps. The second is this. You need to embrace and realize, realize and embrace the fact that we are better together. None of us is as strong as all of us. None of us is as intelligent as all of us. None of us is as wise as all of us. None of us is as strong as all of us. We are always, always better together. Ecclesiastes 4, from verse 9, 9, 10, and 12, says two people are better. They are better than one. Why? For they can help one another succeed. Verse 10 says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in trouble. I pray that you will not fall alone. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. So God is saying that Two are better than one. And guess what? Three are even better than two. And we can go on and on and on and on and on. No one is designed to do life alone. You can't do life alone. You cannot. You need a community. You need a community. I mean, you know in church, we, we have life groups. Join a life group. Be part of a community. You can't walk with God alone. In Christianity, there's, no, there's nothing like um, one-man riot squad. There's no Rambo. There's no one-man army. It's only in the movies. Only one man. If you enter the jungle, 
he will shoot, 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 so his bullet, no, they finish. <laughs> if you take on a whole, it will uh, uh, in the rain, and he will put mark like even has time to do his face. One man, that is fictional. That's not how the world works. God creates people and puts them. In communities. In communities. Why? Because we are designed for community. Do you, did you know that the number one problem of man was not sin? The number one problem of man was not sin. The number one problem of man was isolation. It is not good for the man. To be alone. God said. I need to create community for this guy. It's not good. And you know. The solution to that. Interestingly. Is outside of you. So. The solution to loneliness. Is outside of you. You cannot solve it by yourself. I need you. You need me. We need each other. Praise the name of the Lord. And that's how it works. You can't say, I don't need anybody. You do. You do. Oh, but, okay, that scripture talks about marriage. But what about me? I'm single. No, that scripture doesn't talk about marriage. That scripture talks about companionship. Why? Because it's possible to be married and be lonely. Very possible. They are very married people. Very, very married. But they are very, very lonely also. And there are single people that are not married, that are not lonely. Because they are surrounded with people, with community. (laughs) Praise God. But that is the truth. That is the truth. If you, you know, if you think that marriage will eradicate loneliness, it should help if it functions properly. But you discover that the person you are married to is dysfunctional. <laughs> so, the person is dysfunctional. Meanwhile, you, you know, you already know that you are dysfunctional. You just need somebody to come and help this your dysfunction. Then the person comes with their own dysfunction. Dysfunction squared. And you're like, are you not supposed to be solving my problem? It just says, are you not supposed to be solving my problem? <laughs> so there's actually a problem. And the problem is that we don't really realize that community goes beyond all that. You need to take your eyes off yourself and be of value to the people around you. You need to add value. And, and the more you do that, the more it's like you're sowing a seed. The more you receive a harvest. 
The more you make people smile, the more people make you smile. The more you, I mean, you know some people, they are so stingy. They are very stingy. They are are so stingy, they are stingy with compliments. You know, you guys are telling me, we can take all this. ATM people, I, I baby them, you know. Very stingy with compliments. Just say she's fine. Say, I don't say, what if she gets arrogant? That's not your problem. Just say, she's fine. And by the way, man, you are looking very beautiful this morning. <laughs> hey, so far angry with me now. <laughs> Stingo, you know, we used to call them Stingo in school. Stingy people, stingy people. You, I mean, okay, you, <laughs> you are giving a review. You are giving feedback. Okay, you are giving. We do organizational feedback in church and, and all that time and again. Okay, you are giving like 360 degree feedback. So you are giving me feedback as your pastor. And it's over 10. I say, Pastor, I can't give 10 over 10 because I can't give anybody 10 over 10. Because I say, Okay, so what is wrong with me? Tell me. He says, There's actually nothing wrong. You just need to keep growing, but you cannot get 10. I say, Where's my one? I put it in my pocket because I'm stingy. I'm not saying I, I deserve 10. I'm just saying that the concept of if you see someone that you that actually has deserved 10, give 10. <laughs> give 10 doesn't mean the person never, doesn't have any area of growth. Someone scores 10 in primary school. Doesn't mean he knows everything about math. When he gets to secondary school, he still needs to learn. And he can get 10 in secondary school. Doesn't mean he's not a professor. He still needs to go to university. He can still get 10 in university. Does that make him... The point is... The point is, you wake up, you look at your husband, you know you are married to a great man, but you don't want to say it. Stingo. You say, Pastor, Pastor, you don't understand. He has ego. If I tell him now, I'll be feeding his ego. His head will be swelling him. How is that your problem? <laughs> it's not your problem. It's what you sow, you will reap. Now you are sowing stinginess. Stinginess. Then you are standing in the mirror, parading in front of the man ten times. He too is not complimenting you. You are saying some people cannot even see. <laughs> it's what you saw you are reaping. Try it, try it. So compliment. Make people happy. Try it. It won't kill you. And see the harvest that will come your way. You know, a lady said to me one day, said, me, I can't say that to. You know, I said, why? She says, all the glory must be to Jesus. 
She said, we give Jesus the glory. I, I, I said, excuse me, where's the confusion here? Do you know this man is a great man, the man you are with? She says, I know. So why are you not telling him? I give Jesus the glory. Uh. <laughs> so flesh and blood, I don't but the point is this the point is this God expects you to do that it doesn't take glory away from Jesus listen, listen God is so big that there's no man on earth that can reduce his glory it is impossible Absolutely impossible. Pastor, me, I give God the glory. I cannot say that uh, I'm married to a great man. Well, I will have you know. Don't let me go there. (laughs) Number one. (laughs) Number one. (laughs) We are on number three. Have we done number three? We are about to enter number three. Good. So number three is pray. Pray, 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 pray. You see, anyone that is telling you that you are praying too much wants to take away from you. You can never pray too much. There's nothing like that. You can't. First Thessalonians 5.17 says to us, never stop praying. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. You pray, never stop praying. You speak in tongues, never stop praying. Keep speaking in tongues, never stop praying. Keep it up there. I want us to see it for a while. Everyone say, never stop praying. Never Never means never. You see, the gift of of tongues, for instance, the the gift of speaking in tongues, is not just a gift, a speaking gift. It's also a hearing gift. But a lot of people don't realize that. Speaking in tongues is as much as a hearing gift than a speaking gift. Yes, it's a speaking gift. That's obvious. But you see, the more you speak in other tongues, the more your spiritual ears become open and attentive to the Spirit of God. So, it's not just a speaking gift. It is a hearing gift. That's why it's a complete prayer gift. Because prayer is not just talking. Prayer is what? Also listening and hearing. And God is saying, never stop praying. So if God says never stop praying, and prayer is only speaking, when will you listen? When will you hear if it's only speaking? Obviously, that's not prayer is not only speaking. Prayer is also hearing. What is God saying? And the more you speak in other tongues, the more your spiritual ears open. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. And one of the challenges to prayer is, is the issue of, of offense. You know, people get offended easily. So you, you, we said we are better together, you know, serve in church, join a life group and all that. And, and people would say, oh pastor, I don't want to, I don't want to join any group because the last time I tried that, you know, I came to church, you cannot imagine somebody did not greet me. 
they didn't even say hello to me. So you are offended. Offense is a major barrier to prayer. You're offended. Just, I just want to come to church and say amen to prayers and go. I don't want to be useful to God. I don't want to serve anybody. I just want to be served. Why? Because hmm, you have to be careful of church people. Oh, have, you, have you heard that before? <laughs> you have to be careful. Why? Because, oh, the last time I, I, I tried that, people were talking about me. They were telling my business. They, they were gossiping. Well, I'll have you know that in God's favorite house, that we don't gossip. Pastor, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Is you? Yes, it's me. <laughs> if we see any of such, I mean, it's not impossible. I mean, people are growing, so we have people that are still on the fringes, you know. We shoot it down, actually. We don't tolerate it. We have zero tolerance to gossip. And because of your experience in church, many people have become offended at God. Some others just want to get even. They just want to get even. Do me, I do you. God no go vex. God the vex for that kind of thing. We just don't know. Is it the Bible? God doesn't want to do me, I do you. God says, forgive. <laughs> Those are offended you. You can't get ahead. If all you are worrying about is how to get even, you can't. You need to forgive. Because you can never get ahead by getting even. You can't. All you can get is to get even. You cannot get ahead by getting even. And prayer is so important to your destiny that you cannot afford to allow anyone Hinder your prayers. Prayer is so important to your destiny that you have to forgive so that they can just leave your airwaves. Because prayer can be hindered by unforgiveness. It can. And many times we are at a certain level and we may be at this level, struggling at this level. But this is the level that God wants you to be in. But only God can take you from here to here. This gap can only be filled by prayer. So, where you are, to where God can take you to, can only be filled by prayer. What I'm saying in essence is that prayer is the difference between you fighting for God and God fighting for you. Prayer is the difference. 
between what you can achieve by your own strength and what God can achieve by his own strength. Prayer. So when you look at the impossibilities in life, the gap usually is a prayer gap. It's usually a prayer gap. So apart from unforgiveness, the, 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 another thing that can hinder, or that I've seen that has hindered a lot of people from actually really praying is the fact that they go by their feelings. They're like, oh, pastor, I don't really feel like praying. As I've said it before, that you pray only two times in life. Only two times. When you feel like praying, and number two, when you don't feel like praying. Every other time, you don't have to pray. To just check, do I feel like praying? You pray. I don't feel like praying, that's the time to pray, you pray. Why? Because you cannot wait until you feel like. Many times, you have to do things because you have to. In fact, the, the, the beauty of, of it is this, that when you act your way into feeling, you can begin to feel your way into acting. So, you act your way into feeling so that you can feel your way into acting. You act your way into feeling when you act your way, over time, you keep acting it and acting it. After a while, you begin to feel it and feel it. And because you're feeling it, then you're able to what? Take action. And do what you need to do. Praise the name of the Lord. So you don't wait until you feel like praying. You just go and pray. It's prayer time. You go and pray. Just go and pray. Say, but Pastor, what if it's not flowing? Don't worry. Just pray. It will flow. Do I get an amen? <laughs> okay, so the third thing that we talk about that, I mean, in those folks from approaching God is when they look at their weaknesses. When we look at our weaknesses, we, we are like, what's the point? What's the point of prayer? Why do I need to bother God? I can't just stay by myself. I'm so unworthy. You know, anyway... Why trouble a holy God with an unholy child? What's the point? We look at ourselves, we look at our failures, we look at our, our struggles, and, and we say there's no point in praying. But you see, with prayer and God, it's mostly, and if you're going to get anything about prayer, you should get this. It's mostly about the sincerity of your heart. It's mostly about the sincerity of your heart. There are other dynamics, of course. But it's mostly about the sincerity of your heart. If you can find that place of vulnerability and sincerity in your heart, and you come to God as you are, you will discover that your weaknesses can take you to places in God that your strength can never take you. There are places in God that your weaknesses will take you to, that your strength will not take you. 
How far can you go in the presence of God with your strength anyway? How far? But when you look at, at yourself and your situation, and you're like, all that I have, all that I have. You see, it's nothing. But I lay down at your feet, oh Lord, all my regrets and all my acclaims, the joy and the pain. I make them yours. Lord, I offer my life to you. Everything. Everything means everything. Use it for your glory, Lord. I offer my days to you lifting my praise to you as a pleasing sacrifice for you there, there are places in God that your weaknesses will take you, that your strength cannot take you. Places in God that your weaknesses will take you. I can give you examples upon examples upon examples. So just get up and pray. Just get up and what? And pray. So number one is what? Number two. I can't hear you. Better together. Number three. Pray, pray, pray. Number four. Number four is big. It's huge. And again, I will not deter from saying it because it's big and it's huge. And that is the fact that your story is for his glory. When we realize that, as my, that your story is for his glory, you, your pressure for you to perform is diffused. It's diffused completely. Why? Because it's not about my glory. My story is for his glory. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, arise, God's favorite house. Let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine upon you. So, so we see that the, the glory of the Lord is, is, the, is, is the one that is rising to shine upon you. That's why you need to arise and shine. So your rising up is not, and your shining is not so much about your story, but about his glory coming upon your story to make it glorious. Every time you come to God and you realize that it's not about you. It's not about, oh, if this thing doesn't happen, then God 
It will pain me, oh. <laughs> you see, beyond paining you, God is vested and invested in your life. So, prayers like that, I would pray, I would like, like, oh, God, do this for me. Jesus, let this happen to me so that I can be happy. It's, it's okay, but it's pretty basic. It's, it's pretty basic. Jesus, fix me. It's okay. But it, it's pretty basic. So, we look at our lives and we are saying to God, do this for me. So that I can give you the glory. We, we, we don't realize that there's a higher level. And, and that is, we need to shift. We need to change. We need to shift from Jesus fix my life to Jesus you are my life. You are my life. When we are able to make that shift... We've crossed over from struggling to get God to do stuff to entering in a place, into a place where God has to do stuff. We've, we are moving from a place where we need to bang on doors to a place where we just need to walk towards the door and the door will open. We are moving from a place where we need to struggle and struggle to a place where we are carried on eagle's wings. Praise the name of the Lord. But you see, because it's for God's glory, sometimes God will arrange it in such a way that you have people, he uses people a lot, he allows people rather to pester you. He allows people to insult you, so to speak. Why? Because he wants to grow your character and he wants to test your heart. So many times, like TJ said, God is going to test your intentions by insult. He's going to test your intents by insult. <laughs> he will. But you see, if, if you feel insulted, it's okay if your story is for his glory. You will be able to sleep well at night. But if your story is not really for his glory, then you have to take control of the situation. Then you lose sleep at night. If your, if your, glory, if your story is for his glory... You can be pained, but it's okay. God's name will be glorified. So you find out that people that are easily offended are not usually great. People that are easily offended are usually mediocre. People that are easily offended are usually average. But you are, be, you are going to be great in Jesus' name. You are not going to be mediocre. You are not going to be average. In the mighty name of Jesus. 
So, so what am I saying? What am I saying? What I'm saying is this, that it, you cannot be mighty and be petty at the same time. You can't. Am I going to be petty or am I going to be mighty? What is it going to be? I want to ask your neighbor, are you going to be petty or are you going to be mighty? Ask them. In a nice way. Don't be, don't be rude. Just say, madam, are you going to be petty? Go ahead. Ask them. I'm waiting. Or are you going to be mighty? <laughs> so, the question is this. Could it be, could it be that the things that God is using or appears to be tormenting us, could it be that God wants to use those same things to mentor us? Could it be? Could it be that that's your boss in the office that's a nuisance according to you? Or that your colleague at work that's a pain in the neck? Or that's a person that you think should be your junior but is your senior at work? Could it be that God is trying to mentor us? Is it possible? But if you realize that your story is for his glory, it wouldn't matter. No, it wouldn't matter. So number one is we need to secure next steps. Number two Better together. Number three, pray, pray, pray. Number four, your story is for his glory. And number five, remember. You need to remember. The challenge with us is we forget easily. Easily we forget. You know, God has delivered you, promoted you, done awesome things for you, then you face a challenge and you are, you are afraid. You begin to put your hands on your head. Oh, I am finished. Oh. And you're like, hello, Oga, who did the previous ones for you? God, is he dead? Has he traveled? Is he on vacation? David was speaking to, to Saul. Everybody was afraid of Goliath. The whole nation has forgotten, has forgotten how God took them from Egypt. The whole nation has forgotten the deliverance of Jehovah. The whole nation forgotten. The king was afraid. His soldiers were afraid. David showed up on the scene. David said, the God that killed the lion, the God that killed the bear. I remembered that it was God that took it. It was his glory. It was not just my story. It was for his glory. The bear, it was for his glory. He took them out. That same God will kill this Goliath. And Goliath fell. Because David remembered. He remembered. We need to remember the victories that God has wrought for us. Otherwise, we'll be afraid of the challenge that stands before us today. Counseling and, 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 and discipling people and working with people. I mean, sometimes it baffles me, you know. You have seen God 
do amazing things in people's lives. Even presently, God has taken them from here to here, delivered them in a beautiful way. Many of us, when we came to Lagos, what did we have? Jana must go. From the motor park, you don't even say, hey, so this is Lagos. Eh, eh, But now look at you. God has done amazing things in your life, hasn't he? Praise God. Some of us became serving. You are just a bloody copper. But now, God has expanded you. Now you are facing a challenge. You don't remember where God took you from. We need to remember. You need to remember that you are totally valuable. You need to remember that you are so valuable, it is unbelievable. 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 You are unbelievably valuable. Romans 8.32 says to us, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, wouldn't he also give us everything else? The value, of course, you know of an item is determined by the amount someone is willing to pay for it, right? The value of your car is determined by the amount somebody is willing to pay for it. And the word of God is saying to you and I that our value, your value, is the life of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. That's the price God paid for you. How valuable are you? So, before you start beating yourself down when you walk out of here, remember that you are what? You are so valuable. You are so unbelievably valuable. It doesn't matter how your wife treats you or your husband treats you or your mother treats you or your colleague treats you at work or your boss treats you. You are unbelievably valuable. There's, there's a song, you know, that I've been on my playlist from the beginning of this year. I wake up with this song, you know, I, every day of the year, the songs from January, the song just bubble up in my heart. You may not know it, but just follow the words. It's really blessed me. Many times I just sit down. Everywhere is dark. 4 a.m. I keep hearing voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every eye
many times life closes in on us 
and we feel what is all this? Why am I here? What am I doing here? You should remember that we are so valuable to God. We should remember that you are completely forgiven. Completely forgiven. You are not 50% forgiven. You are not 80% forgiven. You are completely forgiven. Isaiah 43 verse 25 says, I, even I, am he. It's like he's beating his chest. I'm he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, Femi, and remembers your sins no more. I am he, he says. You should remember that we are so valuable. You should remember that we are completely forgiven. And number three, this is huge. We should remember that Jesus is coming back again. You know, many times we don't remember that. We just go about life. We should remember. Many times we don't even hear it preached anymore. That Jesus is coming back. We don't hear it again. But he's coming back. Praise the Lord. We should remember. You should remember that the same Jesus that ascended is coming back. In Acts 1, 10, it says they were looking intently up on the sky. This is when Jesus um, was ascending to, to heaven. As he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus I was say this same Jesus. Not another one. Not a better one. Not, they can't even be a better one. Not a different one. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way. You have seen him. Jesus is coming back. We should never forget that. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. And it's, it makes good on his, on his promises. He promised to save. He saves. He promised to heal. He heals. He promised to deliver. He delivers. He has promised he is coming back. He will come back. He will. There's a story about um, a man that went camping and was bitten by a snake and came back to his group and they had this anti-poison jab. And they gave him the jab and they discovered that it was empty. There was nothing there. The jab, when I heard the story, I smiled. The jab could not deliver on the promise. It was empty. But Jesus delivers on his promises. 
He delivers on his promises. So he's saying to you, you are loved, you are valuable, you are forgiven, and I'm coming back for you. We need these keys to stay rock solid when everybody else are being tossed to and fro. God is saying, I want you to secure your next steps. Become better together. Pray, pray, pray. Realize that your story is for my glory. And remember, you are valuable, completely forgiven. And I'm coming back for you. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. You can clap for God if you want to. That's okay. Let's give God all the praise and glory, Lord. I want to pray with you if you're here today. Yes, like, Pastor, I want to know Jesus. I've never given my life to him. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to, to surrender to him. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you, my brother. My sister, I want to pray with you. You're like, oh, I used to be born again, but I'm not with Jesus anymore. Can I come back? Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you're seated, wherever you're seated, I'll pray with you wherever you're seated. Don't need to come forward. Put up your hand now over your head. I will pray together. If you put up your hand, put up your hand now. Shoot it up over your head. I will pray together. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my, my sister. Keep the hands up. God bless you, my brother, right here in front. God bless you. Right there at the, at the corner. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my sister, right there. God bless you. That is me, Pastor. God bless you, right there. The lady waving. God bless you, my sister. That is me. Right in front here, my brother. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. That is me. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put up your hand well. If you have the card, you can put on your hand. That's okay. But I don't have a card yet. God bless you. Put up that hand. Shoot it up over your head. And we'll pray together. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. Pray with me. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. name of Jesus, we pray for everyone that is surrounding to you today. We ask that you reveal yourself for God of heaven to everyone. Change these lives and let your name and your name alone be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. Honor and glory be given to you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Let's pray together for the Lord.